Welcome gamers to this week's episode of Last Call Gaming, one episode number 154. Today is December 2nd. My name is Craig Prowse and joining me as always coming into these these cold wintry months. Manju Montemay. Did I forget my notebook last time I was here? There was a notebook on the table that had notes that looked like your handwriting, but it wasn't your it wasn't this one, if that's what you mean. Uh, okay, yeah, because I'm missing 153 out of here, so now I'm writing 154, if you want to. Oh, no, yeah, because I think you left it in the other... I think you wrote in the other notebook, so... There, oh, yeah, I did, Yeah, huh? there is one that has that, so... Uh, so thanks for joining, my man. It's a nice hot 60 out for some reason today. Hey, you gotta squeeze in the sweaters when you can. Dude, it is not cold. Like, it's so warm outside. Was Have it? you been outside? Yeah, yeah, when I went through the trash out early, I was... Well, I was, like, way early. It was, like, 7 in the morning. No, the it, it's, like, warm outside. Like, I can take the... I'm sweating. Oh, God, so maybe we should take these off. So, guys, thank you for joining us. If you're watching the YouTube show, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, share, and hit that notification bell. If you guys are interested in following us on any of our social media, check out our Linktree link that's in the description. And if you guys are listening to the audio-only version of this podcast, check out Anchor, which is the home for us, but you can find us pretty much on every audio podcast platform that is available. So, uh, before we dive into our main topic guys we like to do what are you up to where andrew and i take a second talk about anything we've been playing anything we've been watching anything we've got coming up so i'll go first since i've been doing the least i think oh, okay start us off um captain. oh captain my captain everyone's been I, all you guys keep talking about big bang and maybe i was just like ah it's just like really cringy so i never really wanted to watch it so i'm like i'll give it a go i'm enjoying it so far i'm only like like 12 13 episodes in and maybe Part of the reason it's easier to watch too, because I could be on my phone and not feel like I'm missing a plot point or something. That and it's not like a 45, 50 minute episode like when I was binge watching like Vikings and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm kind of like cruising. Big Bang is good shit, man, and it's it's one of the few last few of good shows that do like 12 seasons with 20 episodes. So like if you're if you're in it for the long haul, if you're going to watch it all, like there's just a lot of content to watch. Yeah. It's not watching the new season of Always Sunny and there's six episodes in it. So, I mean, there's a lot of content and a lot of good classic jokes. And I'm curious when you get to a certain point, if you're going to start seeing the difference between like season one, season two, season three, like Howard and Sheldon versus like season eight, season nine and kind of stuff. So I will say too, I mean, so far, like is like a modern sitcom. I think it's very good. It's because we had that conversation like, well, what's a good like set when I was saying like Friends is garbage and I stand by that too. Uh -huh. That Friends is trash. I would highly put this above Friends. Yeah, I mean, so would I. I usually always fall asleep to Seinfeld. But after after years of doing that, I finally need something new to kind of do it. And Big Bang has been on the, the background for the last, I'd say at least year. As far as anything else, I've just been playing Call of Duty, doing, you know, my daily war zones, like always. I've kind of been taking a break because there's all kinds of games coming out. So I was like, I just really need to, you know, cleanse the palate. I don't want to play anything new. Just get my Call of Duties in and focus only on that before we get into, like, the big rush. And now there's more games coming in January and everything. So it's just like, ugh. Next month, two, three, actually two, three months, are all busy, busy, busy. Well, are you, so this episode will be out tomorrow. Are you, do you want to tell me, are you streaming tomorrow? Or are I'm, you going to be doing it over the weekend or like later on Monday or something like that? Well, Calista Protocol comes out today, so I actually am going to be streaming that because that's something I'm really excited for and I want to play it. Um, I will probably be doing that to, if, depending on what day you're watching this, I'll be doing it Saturday. And I think I want to get up like really early and kind of try okay. to do it. And I'll try to get this done. I'll try to, when, you're, when we're done with it, edit it. 
tonight. That way it's up. So if anybody watching it that wants to watch you, at least they'll have the kind of heads up. Or maybe we'll post it like on Instagram or something like that. If not, just look out for the live symbol. Yeah. Anything else, my man? Nah, what about you? Uh, so as far as what I've been watching, um, I did just watch Christmas Story Christmas. But if, if you're interested in it, it's on HBO Max. It dropped November 17th. Um, if you ever see the original, the original came out in 1983. So it's interesting that this is one of these movies that took 40 years to make the official sequel. And... Uh, I don't know. I think it's it's pretty good. If you're a fan of the original movie, which I am and Andrew kind of isn't, I would say it's a perfect follow-up. It's a it's very there's a lot of stuff in it that like throwbacks to certain characters, certain kind of gags and jokes that they do. But if you're not a big fan of the original one, I would say it's probably skippable. Like I wouldn't put this on my to-do list every Christmas unless I'm probably front to backing one with this one it's got an interesting story you know the old man passes away that's in the trailer ralphie kind of has to step up and secure the holidays and now he's got two kids but it, it, like i said it is cool seeing his old friend like uh like flick and uh you know scott fargus is in it and you know kind of cool things like that so if you're interested i would say check it out but i like i wouldn't recommend it to you what time period does it take place in it's in, I think it takes place in 1973 or 1974, so. Oh, okay. So it was the 70s. I think we were trying to figure out. I think in the beginning. Yeah, we were wondering yeah. that last time, and I was like, oh. So, yeah, it's a, it's a 70s movie. And um, for if you are a friend of it, like I said, it, it was fun to watch. But as far as what I've been uh, playing, I did want to shout out, because I, I remembered it earlier, um, that Gotham Knights now, if you've been waiting on it, the four-player mode is now effective so if you were waiting to play it with more than two people you can i looked it up today just to see if, the, if it was an update or however they were going to do it there's actually a mission that you have to do called like arkham team up or something once you beat it then the mode will unlock so if that was something you're interested in check that out but plus you can fight starro <laughs> starro again uh other than that pokemon scarlet is i'm on the tail end of it i just got into the elite four i know andrew already beat it so done um, overall, though, I mean, I don't want to dive too much in it because we are going to do a spinoff Pokemon video. But I gotta say, it was a pretty—it's a pretty solid game. It's got a Rock so, it's solid. got so much in it to do. Because recently, I was playing the online multiplayer with uh, our buddy Casey Court and CN, and that's something you know it was kind of interesting to do. All, and we're all in Discord, we're all chit chatting, and then we're all kind of running around helping each other catch different guys. And I'm like, dude, it's cool that if this is now the baseline for Pokemon entries. And now I really can't wait to see what the next one is. Because it took kind of Brilliant Diamond to kind of remaster the old ones. Arceus to kind of give us these new kind of innovations. This one is kind of, okay, and let's see the amalgam of it. Now let's see what the next one is. Now that that's, you know, the floor line. So I'm like, I'm really excited for future renditions of uh, Pokemon. I know you're not the biggest, but when you get to the end hey, I'm and all right. going down the final <laughs> area... Listen to the soundtrack because that ending area music, as soon as I got there, I was like, man, this is good music. Like, I'll remember this. They remix some, like, Pokemon soundtracks when you're playing the game from, like, classic tunes and stuff. And most of the game had really good music. But that ending area music is, like, pinnacle. Like, I'll remember that. That is, like, a fire music. So nice. I, I was mean I've been mean to tell you about that when you get down there listen to that let me know what you think and I don't think I'll be a part of that Pokemon video bring it up for okay me. I will because uh, I usually do play it with the podcast because you don't really need to listen to anything so when I get to the end I'll, I'll turn it off and I'll turn uh, so, it yeah up. as soon as you start going down that final area listen to it because it's good excellent so um well done game freak they're the ones that developed it so I liked that they they were able to make a new game and didn't have to go back to the well of rinse and repeat you know the, all the old ones so um with that down 
And out of the way, guys, drop down in the comments below. Let us know what you've been watching, what you've been playing, if there's anything on the horizon that you want to check out. So getting into our main topic today, and it's a fairly big one at the end of the year that we like to do, and that is that the Video Game Awards are coming, and they are arriving on December 8th. This is the one that's hosted by Jeff Keighley and the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles. Now, there's a bunch of different award shows, and some are more prestigious than others, but the VGAs is generally the one that most people have booked on their calendar. Right. It's, got, it's the one that usually has the most world premieres. When Andrew and I were, um, were at one, I mean, there was a ton of cool stuff that we got to see. This is where they revealed Xbox Series X. So it is the kind of capping at the end of the year that is kind of the, I wouldn't say the official replacement of like an E3, but it is kind of an event that um, I think we generally all look forward to at the end of the year. I know people give like Jeff Keighley shit for it because they say like, oh, it's almost like this with the ads and whatever. I've personally always had like a good time with it. I know it'll never be like this prestigious, prestigious award show. That's never like really what I wanted yeah. from it. I want to have those kind of E3 moments and then see some of the games that I love get like, hey, a second shine, like good job and you know, here's whatever, you know? Yeah, and I really enjoy it. And uh, again, if you guys haven't voted for it, you guys can, the link is in Vote the description. You guys can uh, do your official um, votes for all of it and that link will be in the uh, in the description down below. So there's a lot of different categories right now. When I looked at them, there's 31 in total. And what did catch my eye and I didn't actually notice it at first. Our friends over at The Brothers Take. So shout out to them if you guys want to check them out. They do a great uh, video game podcast. They do a bunch of different stuff. So shout out to Adam, Chris, and Eric. But they were kind of pointing out that there's no horror category. And I was finally kind of looking at it. I'm like, you know what? There really isn't. And when I was looking it up, I'm like, I think we're kind of getting to a point where that can be its its own category, especially when you're looking at how there's there's two categories called Best Indie and Best Debut Indie. Best Action, Best Action Adventure. So it's weird that they're combining a few where I think horror can stand on its own legs. And I want to ask you something in just a second, but I just to kind of point out, there's coming out in 2023, there's Atomic Heart, uh, Silent Hill, and all of its iterations that are coming, Stalker 2, um, Heart of Chernobyl, uh, Alan Wake 2, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, the game, Resident Evil 4 Remake, and then there's also Dead Space, uh, Dead Space, and Callisto Protocol coming out. So I want to ask you, Dead Andrew, Island 2, Dead Island 2. So do you think there should be a horror genre, especially with all the games we can rattle off? And if so, do you think they'd ever? Do you think they'll ever add that? I think there should be a best horror genre, especially too, because I mean, those are just like mainstream games that we notice. I'm sure there's tons of like really good indie games that would fit into another category as an indie, but maybe if they don't win that against something else, they might have actually had the best horror atmosphere or something like that to, you know, take over that category. And there's definitely enough games, I'm sure, that drop and maybe fly under the radar or on PC that could fill that category just this year alone. Yeah, especially when, like, the last couple of years, I know your game of the years were Resident Evil Remake 2 and 3, where it's like they're contending with these these other juggernauts in game of the year. So it's if they're good enough to be in game of the year categories, then I think their genre alone warrants, warrants attention on its own two feet. I feel like that'd be a far better category because the, it's very diverse and there's different kinds of horror. You know, there's all kinds of different horror but yeah, like Scorn, even like looking at like the Quarry just came out, Scorn just came out. Like those would be two games that would, I think would easily fit in a category like I, that. I would say those would be a far superior category than to something that's always on there, like best sports game, which is just Madden and FIFA 
and Pez. Right, and, the same five genres. Whatever the NHL hockey game or something like that is. But it's generally the same games every year where you're doing the same thing. Where with horror, you have a way more diverse medium. Yeah, so I, I agree with you on that. So thanks for putting that on my radar, boys. And uh, yeah, I think there should be one. And hopefully they will add it. You know, hopefully when they watch the watching, take yeah, our when they watch the show, steal it from us or from the brothers. Take so uh, what Andrew and I want to do, guys. We're not going to go through all thirty-one categories. So what we've done is we've each pick, we picked five separate categories. And since Andrew won last year, he was able to pick first. So we kind of went. He picked one. I picked one. And we went back and forth. Now what's going to happen is whoever gets the most right is going to earn a... Well, every one you get right, you're going to get a point, and we'll we'll know the answer uh, when we do it next week. The loser's going to have to drink a tall boy of the winner's choice. And I think I already have what I want for you to drink if I win. Now, if there is a tie, we have our game of the year um, picks to be the tiebreaker, but the game of the year pick isn't going to add any points. It'll just be these games that are kind of going against each other. And if there is a tie... We do the game of the year tiebreaker. Right, because we've selected different games for it. So. Right. So, and then there, we have one more thing we're going to add, but I'll, I'll showcase that at the end of the um, list here. So, uh, let's go ahead and get started. Andrew, uh, the first category you picked, do you want me to read them off or do you want to tell me what it is and then I'll, I'll name the games? I, I can do it from here because okay. I can see perfectly fine. So, the first one I chose is actually Best Art Direction, and that's between Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, scorn and stray now i chose elden ring i felt like that game really kind of does a lot more than the others do as far as art direction but i mean the only game i think that maybe if it's not god of war even though god of war is kind of like the last god of war i was gonna say scorn scorn's got a very unique art direction but that's really more if you know i forget what it's called it's like geiger or something like that if you're like if you're into that art style i personally think it's kind of like an ugly one-tone game but i know there's lots of people that love that artistic style yeah i want to try to read these off too just so if anyone's curious what best art direction means the way they've categorized it is for outstanding creative and or technical achievement in artistic design and animation so i i mean i'm so andrew and i his when he gets the vote he'll put his point on it but i'm still going to give my opinion of what i think could win even though it won't count towards anything i was looking at horizon forbidden west as it because once once i started playing this game man it's especially on like a nice tv on the ps5 like especially if you compare it to the last one like it is just so big and so gorgeous and what they're able to do with all like the the mechanical robots and animals and stuff like that i think it is um a technical achievement they were able to um kind of hit so but really i mean i mean i could i could lean on any of those but you're gonna go with elden ring your official pick and then my side guess i'm probably horizon forbidden west so let's move into the next category which is the one i picked which is best mobile game for the best game playable on a mobile device. So I, that's what I'm saying. I, I kind of think some of that is key in terms of how they're going to vote. So the nominees are Apex Legends, Diablo Immortal, Genshin Impact, Marvel Snap, Tower of Fantasy. So I'm going to pick uh, Marvel Snap just on being biased. Just that since I've played this game, I cannot put it down. I've put, dude, I've got hours already into this game. And if it's saying the best game playable on a mobile device, this thing is so simple. Like, there's no hiccups. I can see some of these other bigger games that, you know, you're actually running around and doing things. And I can see glitches and things like that happening. So if you're saying just the best playable game on a mobile, this thing is just as simple as it comes, man. And I try to turn everybody on to this. I've, uh, Dante's now playing it. 
uh, Cien's now playing it. It's downloaded on Gino's phone. I'm waiting for you to jump in it and see if you like it. But nah, uh, never. So I got Marvel uh, Snap, which is done by Second Dinner Studios and Newverse. Uh, what did you pick? Uh, what do you think is going to happen on that one? Uh, I chose Genshin Impact on that one because that game, I remember getting pretty blown up when it first came out. Everyone was talking about it. I know there's a lot of people playing it and waiting for it to come to other sort of ways to play it. So I feel like that game had enough clout to... I forget what I was listening to, but Genshin Impact makes something around like $4 billion dollars in in money in like every year and i'm like dude that this thing that thing is a juggernaut yeah i remember it being huge and a lot of people talking about it so all right so that is my first one andrew what is your next category uh my next category was best multiplayer game and then uh you got to read the, the okay print so best multiplayer is for for outstanding online multiplayer gameplay and design including co-op and massively multiplayer experiences uh, irrespect of game genre or platform and what are the nominees so the nominees for that one is uh, call of duty modern warfare 2 multiverses overwatch 2 splatoon 3 and teenage mutant ninja turtles i think it's shredder's revenge is that shredder's revenge yeah so for that one i chose call of duty modern warfare 2 because of course everyone's crazy for warzone 2 the dmz mode that came with it so that game is the biggest out of all of these i don't see multiverses taking it because i was kind of clunky overwatch 2 a lot of people complain that it's just Overwatch 1, maybe with some more skins. I haven't heard anyone talk about Splatoon 3. The only other game I know a lot of people really liked and I thought looked cool was uh, Ninja Turtles. Yeah, Ninja Turtles was always ho- kind of hoping that it would kind of get the love, but I'm um, looking at my list. Yeah, I also agree that Call of Duty is probably going to take uh, best multiplayer for the year. So I'll take that free point. <laughs> it's a freebie. Uh, so the next game, guys, I uh, category that I picked out was best debut indie. For the best debut game created by a new independent studio. Now, my heart leans towards Vampire Survivors. It is a game that I've thought is was awesome. It's 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 great. I've been playing it. It's fantastic. But if I'm looking at what's on there and I see Stray that is a game of the year contender, then I have to I you know because again I'm not going with my favorite. I think I'm you know I'm trying to win the bet and trying to get the points. I think Stray is going to come out on top. For the best debut indie. And uh, did I think you agreed with that? Uh, since I don't have any points in it, I'm actually going to change mine to Tunic. You're gonna I, Tunic? Okay. I would prefer Tunic to win. I think it would maybe deserve it more than Stray because I like Tunic a lot. And I think it got up there in scores. But I think Stray is going to take it. That's hands down the easiest. Like, But you're, you're going to put yet. Yeah, so when we do see if you did hit it, it'll... Yeah, it'll I want to take Tunic on that one. Okay, so from the best debut indie... The next one goes to um, Best Score and Music. For outstanding music, inclusive of score, original song, and or licensed soundtrack. And for that, there's Plague Tale, Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Metal Hellsinger, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Now, I've seen a lot of Metal Hellsinger. That game actually has licensed music in it. And out of all these, I think that's the only one that actually has like licensed license music. The rest are like original scores and sounds. So I chose Elden Ring for mine because I think that that always is hands down one of the best parts of playing any sort of Dark Souls or you know second or any sort of From Software game is they do a phenomenal job on the music. Yeah, I mean I can't argue with that. I mean I, I love seeing that these kind of games are on there. The vote I took, I just put I put Metal Hell Singer on there because it's like. That is the only genre this thing can really be the heaviest hitter in. So my my gut tells me it'll be Metal Hell Singer. So that is 
that one. All right. I think that's what I'm least unsure of out of mine. <laughs> so the next one that I picked out, guys, was best ongoing game. And that is awarded to a game for outstanding development of ongoing content that involves the player experience over time. The nominees are Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, and Genshin Impact. Now, th- they're all names in the game like everybody even if you don't play them knows these big game go- ongoing games and i've got to say i think destiny 2 just is the is the overall i would say favorite out of all these because not only has it been around the block it's it keeps adding especially all the new uh what is it, the witch queen stuff like yeah the all, the, one, all yeah. the content that it's doing everybody is still saying is stellar so even though i don't play necessarily these types of games uh my vote is for destiny 2 I almost want to say Final Fantasy fourteen, but I think that's what I voted on last year, and I won it this year. I think, I, again, I haven't heard too much about Final Fantasy fourteen. I know it's good, but I feel like Destiny 2, especially since they just dropped that new roadmap, maybe really deserves it because they are bringing the bang for your buck on what, what they already had going on. Awesome. The next category, and this is Andrew's, is best action game for the best game in the action genre focused primarily on combat. Now, this one, uh, it's Bayonetta 3, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Neon White, Sifu, and, of course, glad to see them again, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. Now, I was kind of really torn between Call of Duty and Bayonetta, but I went Bayonetta 3, because that one's a lot more combat-oriented than what I, what I feel is, like, what when someone asks you combat, that I feel like that's kind of more the idea than, like, gunplay and what Call of Duty is. Yeah, I agree with you on that, because especially the way they kind of say it, focus primarily on combat. From where, their definition. Right, but there's a lot of different things, I think, that makes Call of Duty awesome, and it's not necessarily all combat. So, when I was looking at it, uh, a seafood sounded like a really interesting choice, but I just haven't got my hands on it. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge was the vote, I, it was what I picked, and only because... Everybody was raving about how they were able to reinterpret the old school arcade, you know, smash beat 'em up games where, and then they, and all the new stuff they were able to add, all the quality of life improvements. I mean, I alone beat this game like four times with different people. So, and it's literally just combat front to back. So my, my side vote on Andrew's uh, category is I hope TMNT uh, takes it there. So I just chose Bayo because I think it got like a nine when it came out. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, they're all that's Ben out of three is definitely a heavy that, hitter. That's one of those games people like consider like as far as maybe not have that Call of Duty audience, but has a diehard audience. Definitely. Uh, my category next is best narrative, and this is for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. The nominees are A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring. God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, and Immortality. Now, Immortality has been popping up in a couple different categories. I, I don't know if it's on the Game Pass. I think it might be. I do want to check it out before next week. But my my answer for this is God of War Ragnarok. In terms of storytelling, this game front to back, from start to finish, is an epic, epic, you know, example of storytelling. So I think God of War Ragnarok will take this one. I also chose God of War Ragnarok. I feel like that may be the obvious choice, and I hate to say that too because 
uh, you see a Plague Tale has actually been popping up in a lot of a these. Lot, it is man. free on the Game Pass, but it came out at a time where all these other games that I'm kind of a little bit more interested in take precedence. So I have not got a chance to go back and play it, and I wonder if that's going to haunt me. I really wish I'd got a chance to play it before this list had came out. Do you think you'll play it? Because I really want to try to play, at least get my hands on it for an hour or two, both Elden Ring and Plague Tale before the 8th. Are you trying? Is there any game you want to try to squeeze in before then? Maybe Plague Tale? I want to try to do Plague Tale, but it's also hard because I have Callisto Protocol that comes before the 8th, and then Final Fantasy mm-hmm. comes on the 8th, and who knows, maybe I'll just do Plague Tale first, and then I'll finish off the year with Final Fantasy or something. I do really want to fit it in this year. Nice. So, that was my category. Um, the next one is Andrews, and that is Most amp- Anticipated Game. Recognizing an announced game that has demonstrably illustrated potential to push the gaming medium forward. Now, this one is a really hard one, but I feel like there's one that stands above the rest. Now, the first one is Final Fantasy 16. Next is Hogwarts Legacy. Resident Evil 4. That's a remake, of course. Starfield. And then The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Now, Legend of Zelda was on the year on the list the year before. So that's, I think it's been on the I think it's been on the last three years, dude. Like, but Elden Ring had beat it before that. So that's why I'm gonna say the Legend of Zelda. I feel like that's a bit more hype. I feel like Starfield kind of got a bit deflated. Resident Evil 4 people are still really hyped for. Hogwarts got delayed, so I feel like that maybe deflated people's interest in it a little bit. So the only other one, it'd be between Final Fantasy Original 4 and Zelda, I think are really the three contenders out of there. I think Zelda, hands down, is the one that really hasn't let people down because we haven't seen too much of it yet. Yeah, I think all of these are, are fantastic. Personally, for me, Hogwarts Legacy is the one I'm most anticipating. For but me, it's Resident Evil 4, I, yeah. I, I think Starfield kind of... L- kind of lost some of its momentum when when the big demo they showed off to us i don't think really impressed too many people in the way no. that everyone was hoping so yeah i think now the fact that legend of the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom has an official title and a, i think believe there's an official date set now that it's more tangible i think this is finally now a lot because a lot of people consider this one of the greatest games of all time I think this is probably going to win the most anticipated as well. I think so, especially too, because I remember complaining about it last year that I didn't think it should be on the list because they were still calling it Breath of the Wild 2. Yeah. <laughs> like, it didn't even have a real name and people were clamoring for it. So, my final category that I picked is, um, and I got to say, because it was, I was going to pick Best Action Adventure, and me and Andrew were talking about this earlier, but I feel like when you're doing Best Action Adventure, Best Action, Game of the Year, Best Narrative, you were seeing, we were seeing a lot of the same titles, so I kind of threw a Hail Mary at the end, and I decided to switch the category to Best Performance. Which, which I won last year. Which you did win last year, which is awarded to an individual for voiceover acting, motion, and or performance capture. Now, the nominees are... Um, from Horizon Forbidden West, Ashley Birch, A Plague Tale, Requiem, Charlotte McBurney. From God of War, Ragnarok, Christopher Judge. From Immortality, Man Engage. And from God of War, Ragnarok, Sunny Suljic. Now, they're all fire. I feel like I wanted to go with Ashley Birch just because not only is she fantastic in Horizon Forbidden West, but she's also the voice of Tiny Tina from the Borderlands series. So I feel like she's the... She's the kind of like the all-star going into this, but I got to give the sh- I'm my vote's going to Sonny Suljic. So fortunate enough, he was the same kid from both games. So not only did you get to hear him be a little kid in God of War 2018, but now you can, because I'll do flashback scenes, you completely get to rehear him as he grows up. So now I feel like there's just some real authenticity in watching this character literally grow up playing him. And I think, like I said on the last episode, God of War, 
Atreus became one of my favorite characters, and it has a lot to do with how he portrayed Atreus in this game. So as far as the the acting, the motion capture, his performance, and his voiceover, I think it'd be really interesting if he wins, and I'm hoping that he does. You know, I'm actually going to change mine now that I'm Again, really kind of sitting on the list. Again, because it doesn't affect me anyways. I don't get any points. I was going to put Chris Judge on there just because I was kind of like, ah, I really like Kratos' voice. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, the second game, I feel like the person who I really liked playing the first one, and I don't think they, I don't remember them getting nominated, or I, again, I can't remember from last year, is, um, I, I don't know her name because I can't see it from here, is the one from Plague Tale Requiem. Charlotte McBurney. Because she has like that French accent and then... Gorgeous th- voice. And they yeah, talk in French while you're playing the game. So her voice really like lends to the believability of that game that I thought she was great in the first one. And again, I haven't played the second one, but if it's anything like what the first one was, I think she could take that. Okay, cool. So I'll switch that off. So that way when we watch it, we'll be able to correctly look at them. So guys, that is our pick for the bets. Um, And again, when we watch it next week, we'll be able to decide. But before we get off of it, I did want to, point out one more category it's not going to be for any points but it is something i wanted to shed a little light on and that is best adaptation which is recognizing outstanding creative work that faithfully and authentically adapts a video game to another entertainment medium now if i'm not mistaken this is a new category i don't yeah remember that this was being not on there. there last year so it is it does show that they will add new categories if it warrants one which is why it gives me hope that horror will eventually be one but i really i really like this one because it's kind of showcasing now that we're moving past the time period of bad video game adaptations. So I would say a couple of years ago, like when WoW was coming out and, and Prince of Persia and um, uh, Assassin's Creed, like that might have been a particular era, but I think everyone was hype, but it didn't really kind of deliver where now we're seeing a lot of cool stuff. And the nominees for this are Arcane League of Legends, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. The Cuphead Show, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Uncharted. So not only are they taking it from TV and animation, they're doing it to live action film. Blockbuster so, yeah, films. Yeah, so it yeah. is kind of this big spectrum. And what I, I, I would like Cuphead to win it because I think when it's looking at it, it's saying faithfully and authentically adapts a video game to another entertainment medium. When you look at Arcane, which is I believe League of Legends. There's nothing to adapt. They're they're making this story based on some lore. Cyberpunk is a D&D tabletop kind of game that they took a story and they've added it. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, that's never been in a video game where he goes to the human world. And this is a completely different uh, Nathan and Sully version from any of the games. But when you look at when you look at Cuphead, it is exactly ripped from the game. The the drawings, the animation, the voice, every bad guy, every character. So, I would like Cuphead to win cuz I think it I think it fits the bill of the of the characterization that it wants perfectly, but my vote is going to go for Arcane just because what they did with that show was amazing. So from what it was able to do to another medium, I think was a perfect uh, a perfect way to do it. But I don't know what was yours. Uh, mine is actually Cyberpunk Edge Runners because I'm not basing it off the D and D. I feel like the game really kind of put the name Cyberpunk on the map for people. So this being an adaptation of that. That they went back into the game after the big patch and added all kinds of stuff from the anime. The anime completely expanded that world. And not only just expanded it, but stuff that you had already heard about from the game. Like the cyber psychosis and stuff. You didn't really see it and you didn't get You knew what it was, but you had a better idea and a better picture of how it actually really affects people when you watch this show. That I thought that this show completely just 
it was a perfect companion piece for the game and it's definitely in my top five anime of all time as i've said before so i highly recommend watching it yeah and that's the other thing i like all of these like because i've watched all of them i've seen a yeah, I I watched Sonic the Hedgehog. i'm currently watching season three of cuphead which if you didn't know if you didn't know was out is out now so because it, it kind of just skates under the radar it's on netflix right. all th- three seasons are out now we've seen cyberpunk edge runners which was fantastic seen arcane which is fantastic so that is a good category what i like it's like game of the year i like all of these um nominees but uh, at the end of the day arcane for me cyberpunk for you so with that being said guys again the uh this hey this one's your big boy this is your peer breeds uh this is the game of the year and this is recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields so the nominees are a plague tale requiem elden ring god of war ragnarok horizon forbidden west stray and Xenoblade Chronicles. Again, this isn't three. for any point. Xenoblade Chronicles 3, excuse me. It's not for any points. It'll be a tiebreaker if Andrew and I happen to have the same points. So, and I think we've said it in another show. My clear <coughs> game of the year winner, I think, believe, is going to be God of War. Ragnarok, yours? Elden Ring. And, I mean, I like them all. This is, again, one of those categories. Except where for Stray. Like, Stray's the only one I'm just like, ugh. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's, I get it's, what it's it was, interesting but... that an indie was able to come out and build a game that... You know, stands on its four legs and people over overwhelmingly enjoyed. But yeah, I'm with you. In terms of the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields, I'm not sure what it would have done that would surpass any of these particular games this particular year. I'm surprised Pokemon put out two games this year and neither of them are up for any sort of award. Oh yeah, and I did want... That's one thing I wanted to... No, Arceus is up for, I think, best family game. Oh. But one of the things I was looking up... the one category I didn't look in? Yeah, one of the things I was looking up and I was kind of... uh, Because I think we had it wrong. The cutoff that it says is... It has to be... Hold on, do I have it here somewhere? Um, did I not pull that up? Let me see. I didn't. Okay, so anyway, the cutoff says that it has to be, um, for, um, consumption by the, by the gamer on or before November 18th. And I thought it had to be before it. But if it's, if the cutoff date is on, then Pokemon Violet and Scarlet should have been, um, considered. So that either means they're just completely weren't recognized or... Or I'm missing something, but you—I mean, you're—you think they should be on there completely, right? I at least for something, you know. I I get it. Maybe you don't want to put it in the game of the year because you're gonna cry about a little clunkiness. Yeah, but I do have it. Games to qualify must be available for public consumption on or before Friday, November 18th, 2022. And Pokemon Scarlet and Violet did come out on November 18th, so technically they should be contenders in any field that anyone thought they should have been in. I, I'm personally putting it in one of my top five. Spoiler alert for when we make our end of the year list. I loved it. <laughs> so, guys, that is our game of the year kind of highlight of the categories that we want. Jump uh, down below if there's anything that you that you are kind of voting on or pick the categories that we have and let us know if you think any, uh, what your winners are going to be. Because I didn't want to do all of them because I don't watch content creators or esports guys maybe or, it could be us one yeah day. this year the racing category without horizon in it i was turned off so i think we picked the strongest ones and we kind of shone light on those and, and then we gave our honest opinion on them so uh that is the end of that so guys let's move into questions of the week now guys if you want to submit a question that andrew and i can answer on the show you can do so a couple of ways you can leave a comment in the youtube comment section down below 
You can email us at lastcallproductions at gmail.com or you can find me on social media and you can at Craig Perales and you can send me the question and I will pull it from there. So the first question comes from uh, John Tovitz and he writes, did you guys see the new Mario trailer? I think it looks awesome. Voices are still a tad off, but I don't think it's going to matter. So yeah, if you guys don't know, the new Super Mario trailer uh, dropped and yeah, apparently... uh, Chris Pratt's still getting a little beat up for his the way he sounds. So I wanted to read this quickly from Kotaku and then kind of ask your opinion on what you think about it. So if you're interested in reading the full article, the link is in the description. It says, Jack Black is chewing up the virtual scenery as Bowser. Charlie Day as Luigi basically writes itself to any viewer of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And you know for a fact that Seth Rogen's stoner laugh alone perfectly encapsulates Donkey Kong's goofy energy. Most of all, Princess Peach throwing away the trope of being a damsel in distress for being the Mushroom Kingdom's fearless leader wielding a freaking halberd matches the fierceness Anya Taylor-Joy brings to her roles, particularly in the Northmen. Pratt, on the other hand, comes off as a bland um, Asekai protag the audience is forced to stick with in order to experience more stimulating characters and the greater wonder of the world he inhabits. This is something the second trailer hit home with how many times characters unga bunged his ass on screen and how hapless Mario appeared in the comparison to everyone else. So again, that is one part of the bigger article. Um, I don't know. Let's jump in. What, what are your thoughts on that? Does that encapsulate how you feel about that trailer? Do you think, or do you, do you think Pratt is the weakest voice out of all these guys? I think for sure he's the weakest voice out of all of them, but I think he also is the hardest one that had the most to really kind of like live up to. Because, I mean, what a Donkey Kong had to live up to. The fucking goofy-ass, like, 3D fucking TV show that used to be on for, like, kids or whatever. His is really kind of the only one that people are, like, pressed. But then again, he is the one who's going to talk the most. So, I don't know if it's him just not trying or maybe it's not right. But then again, I also can't imagine what would be better. Like, what I hear all these people talking shit about it, but I don't see anyone saying, well, this would have been a better actor choice, this would have been a better actor choice. I see people saying, like, Charles Martinet, and I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to hear Charles Martinet for an hour and a half with this overly goofy voice when everyone else is kind of giving a goofy kind of real performance. Because I do love Jack Black, Luigi, everyone else that we've heard so far. Chris Pratt, again, it's not terrible, but it is the weakest. But I don't know what could really make it better. Yeah, especially if you're if Donkey Kong is if Seth Rogen's not disguising his voice, Charlotte Day's not disguising his voice. He's kind of stuck in this thing where he's trying to do little like not like when he does the woohoo, like he's kind of doing the old school Mario thing, but then he's also still sounding a little pratty, but a little lower. So I don't know. Maybe it'll be something that's kind of like Bane when he came out and people heard the voice and they maybe something gets changed in post but I, I got a feeling this movie is like done so but again like you said in the question i don't think it's gonna matter this let's talk about the, the way it looks this that, movie that second amazing. trailer showed off so much cool stuff and like even when they kind of dig in like the meta where like the fire stick is spinning and he gets hit and he jumps on the brick that falls and at the end when you get to see the mario kart come in i'm like i don't i think this movie is gonna have so much awesomeness in it that one character even though even if it is the main not sounding perfect I don't think it's going to hinder it at all, especially, dude, with how awesome Jack Black sounds as Bowser. I think there's enough other greatness in this movie, you know, without obviously saying it, that this one little hiccup I don't think is going to make it lose any money. I think I'm more excited for to get, like, that definitive origin story because you see Mario again just like the original, like, 19-whatever movie, like, 1988 whatever fucking movie with um, Bob Hoskins and Bob Hoskins. 
that he is a plumber in a real world that finds himself over into this other dimension, the Mushroom Kingdom or wherever, which I don't think they've ever really addressed that in like any other game. You don't ever see Mario as anything, but they always say, oh, he's a plumber, he's a plumber, he's a plumber in like every from game Brooklyn. from wherever. But they never talk mm-hmm. about the correlation between the human, except for Odyssey, where you go to like New Dunk City, but even then it's kind of like out of proportion to everything. So I think that's kind of the thing I'm most, I don't want to say excited for, but I just really want to see what they're going to do with that. Because you do see him in the real world, fixing a sink, making yeah, sure it's like level and yeah, stuff. So I'm like, well, like that's that. interesting. Now I kind of want to see like how that correlates to the rest of this. Yeah, the only thing I remember as a kid is Mario, being a plumber, cracks into the wrong pipe and falls on a warp, and that's how he ends up in the Mushroom Kingdom. I'd, I'd probably bet that that's probably how something is going to happen in this one. He just opens the wrong pipe. And, and he just never goes home. He yeah, just stays in the mean, hey, kingdom for the next 40 hey, years. If there's peaches there, then uh, why would you? Um, so thank you for the question. And uh, yeah, I think Mar- I don't think the voice is going to be too big of a deciding factor whether or not this movie is successful. So, uh, And again, that movie comes out on April 7th. 2023 so we had a couple more questions that we're all i mean we'll just talk about movies for the rest of the podcast and uh we're gonna dive into another trailer based question and that comes from uh jessica mela and they write i just saw the guardians of the galaxy volume 3 trailer it looks like this is going to be a sad movie compared to their usual upbeat dance shenanigans and yeah this movie comes out on may 5th 2023 um we just rewatched all these trailers just to kind of be fresh in our minds this i believe this one dropped today it does seem like it's not the upbeat because i mean gardens is kind of known for putting on these awesome old school 70s 80 tracks that get you pumped up and fired up and in this one they still had good songs but it was a lot more of a downer tone and kind of puts you i mean even when rocket's talking he's like i'm tired of running and it's kind of showing these flashbacks obviously there's this dark cloud with Gamora and how they're going to respond to this new version of her. So yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. This isn't like the normal looking James Gunn upbeat movie. So, I mean, what did you think of the trailer? You think it'll stick to that tone the entire time? I like that. I don't know if it'll stick to that tone the entire time, but I wouldn't mind if it was like a 75%, 25% where most of it is kind of that sad tone because at this point they have lost members. They've gone through turmoil. They were gone for however long during the snap that everything just can't be okay all the time that I like the idea of that, especially when they come back to that planet. He addresses the fact he's like, no, we've been gone for a long time. Like do people even know who we still are? Do people think we're still heroes or do people think we abandoned them in their time of need? We don't know how people view these guys yet. So I, I'm actually really with it. I would say if you, if you are looking for the upbeat Guardians of the Galaxy, I just watched the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. It's on Disney Plus. It's forty. It says forty-five minutes, but it's about thirty-nine once credits roll. And there is a post-credit scene. So if you haven't watched it, stick to the end. It's got a little. It's a pretty funny scene. That does have the flavor of the more of the traditional Guardians of the Galaxy style. And I gotta say, man, it's for for forty minutes. It's hilarious, dude. It's man. It's weird. I don't remember Mantis being this. This type of characters, when you watch it, let me know if she's always... I always remember her being kind of quiet. In this one, she's a very different kind of loud character. Um, so if you're looking for more traditional Guardians, definitely check that out on Disney+. Plus. So uh, thank you for the question. And the final question, guys, comes from Tommy D. And he writes, The Indiana Jones 5 trailer just dropped, and I have to say it doesn't look half bad. After the mess of Crystal Skull, it's nice to see it going back to its roots. Any thoughts? Um, yeah, we just watched it. I'm a big fan of the original one, two, and three. 
I never saw Crystal Skull because I just didn't see it in theaters. And by the time word of mouth started traveling, everyone, most people were saying this movie's dog shit. So I never watched it because I didn't want it to tarnish my memory of, of it. But after seeing this trailer, I think it looks uh, fantastic. This movie comes out June 30th, 2023. It looks like it is going back to those roots. So I don't, I don't think we've ever had a conversation. Are you an Indiana Jones fan? I've actually only seen Crystal Skull. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> And I don't think it's a bad movie at all. So maybe it's because it's the only one that I've seen that I enjoyed. I've seen bits and pieces of the other, and I know some of like the big setups for it. And I've been on the Indiana Jones ride a time or two, but I do like this trailer because, um, again, I'm not like the biggest like Indiana Jones fan, but I thought this looked really cool, and I like the idea of when you watch Indiana Jones, it's like a set timepiece. And I think that's what I like the most about watching it. Because there's Nazis and there's whatever. But it's not trying to be like, oh, this modern day movie or a movie set in the future. I like seeing a movie set in the 70s and this is our idea of like recreating it or like the 80s or whatever. And this looks more like it's like 60s or 50s or something like that. So I like the idea of what it's doing. I just wonder if they're just going to like retcon Shia LaBeouf out or like how they're going to do whatever. Especially because he's getting a little, obviously he's really old now. Yeah, this will be and a I'm sure <laughs> they're not going to want to let the Indiana Jones name die and want to find a way to keep that going. So is this going to be that passing the torch movie? Uh, he's been, well, he's been going on around in interviews saying that he once he's done doing Indiana Jones, he doesn't want there to be, or he, do, he wants to be the only one to play him. He doesn't want there to be a reboot or any more movies, which is, is kind of cool for him to do because he, you know, in body is that, but it's like, this ain't your property, bro. Like, you can't tell a studio to not make more Indiana Jones movies, especially when they're successful. But what I had, what I had a hard time doing was, even on IMDb, I was trying to see, I'm like, because the trailer looks cool, but I don't really know what it's about. And even on IMDb, it says the plot is unknown at this time. And when I was looking up a couple other things, it just kind of says this is the latest uh, movie. The only thing I could find that stands out, it says... The film, which will be Harrison Ford's final outing as Indy and is being released in June 2023, is set in 1969 and the plot centers of Indy suspecting that some of the Nazi scientists brought to the U.S. to help out in the space race could be secretly sabotaging the country. And I'm like, dude, that's 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 Indiana Jones. That's, yeah, that's I mean, cool. Can't really get much more Indiana Jones than a, you know, with a, than a plot than that, so... Um, yeah, watching the trailer, it, it, why isn't archaeology just getting mixed up in all this? Like, that's, uh, that's dude, because he's just dope, and I like that it still has the humor, like when he does the whip scene and everyone pulls the guns out on him. So like, he still got the chops down for being funny when it has to be. But you could just tell that. I mean, there's a lot of CGI, obviously, in this thing, but like, they're at least that trailer was pumped full of action. It seemed like they were constantly. He was on a horse. He was in a car. He's jumping to this and that. I'm like, okay, they're giving it the last good hoorah. It's not going to be more mystery. It's it's going to be the action, either chase or being chased. I think he looked a lot better than Robert De Niro trying to fake like he's kicking a guy on the side of the road and can like barely do it in the fucking <laughs> Irishman. So uh, I guess that's our thoughts. Is there anything else you want to add for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? How do you like the name? That's all right, but I'd really have to see what it is. I guess I. Dial of the Destiny, like that just, I don't know. It's almost like I, the pick of Destiny or something. I feel like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, for as much as you hate that movie, sounds like a cooler title than Dial of yeah. Destiny. Yeah, and there were, did you notice that there was one scene when he's walking by to pick up his hat that kind of looked like the the um, the um teaser trailer that Bethesda was doing for their for the game. game? It kind of looked like the same kind of thing. I'm like, oh, I wonder I wonder how close if it's going to have any tie-in or if it's a standalone. It's going to be a movie-related game where we're playing like a 90-year-old Indiana Jones. Hey, I'll play that game. So, guys... Uh, thank you for the questions. Leave more and we will answer them. So that brings us, guys, to the end 
of episode 154. Join us next time on episode 155 where we can solve the bet, guys. So until next time, my name is Craig Perales. That is Manju Montemayor. Cheers. See ya. streaming service called Disney Plus. It's kind of like they did that other, was it Dark Crystal or whatever? No, Dark Crystal was, if I'm not mistaken, an actual prequel or was it actually a remaking? I don't know. I watched, started watching it and then I heard it got cancelled so I stopped. I was like, I'm not going to finish fucking like six more episodes if it, if it goes nowhere. I don't know, some of those things I've like seen, is this an 80s or a 90s one? Willow was probably like the either the late 70s or like the mid 80s, let's see. Something around the same time as, like, the fucking Labyrinth. Like, some of those hit for me and some don't. Like, I know people, like, love the Labyrinth. When Willow, I go- yeah, Willow's... Okay, Willow's later than I thought. I thought it was closer to, like, Star Wars. It's 88. See, it's stuff like that, like the Labyrinth or, like, the never-ending story. Some of that stuff hits for me. Some of it doesn't. Like, when I watch... Like, I feel sad when the horse dies, but then I have this idiot riding a fucking snail through, like, half the movie. <laughs> that I'm like, I don't care. And this other dumb guy that's just eating rocks... Whoa, what happens if we all disappear? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs>